and welcome to the All Japan Women's Destiny podcast. I'm your host, JD. Welcome to another episode as we go through the history of All Japan Women's Professional Wrestling through the classics episodes that you can find uh, on various places of the internet. I vastly encourage to follow along and learn and enjoy the history of this just awesome women's wrestling promotion of the past. This is a spin-off in conjunction with the Red Leaf Retrocast. That is the proper episode where these come from. We hope you enjoy our audio and our uh, discussions over the various wrestlers and the matches in which we go through the ages. If you like what you hear and you want more content, please consider checking out the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash redleafretrocast, all one word, where we also cover LLPW, various other uh, women's wrestling promotions of the past, and the project that the whole reason it exists is the Joshi 2010's journey, where we go through coming out of the dark ages of Joshi professional wrestling and really learning and having fun with wrestlers that we're very familiar with to this day to ones that we may have missed out on. I hope you enjoy the audio you're about to hear covering AJW. And if you want more, please, again, consider signing up to the Patreon and leaving us reviews over at iTunes, Spotify, and the like, all your favorite podcasting outlets in which you listen to AJW and the Redley Fletcher cast. Enjoy. It's another AJW Destiny Time. It's episode 79, and we are doing part two of Legacy of Queens from 1993. We're at the Nippon Budokan. It's August 25th. Yes, interpromotional warfare continues in the absolute rise of 1993, and uh, during this time, or, like, current time fair that we're talking about here. I've been working on a Rossi Ogawa Hall of Fame article, along with Alex at uh, Last Word on Sports, and it will be posted at Voices Wrestling any day. What's interesting about it is when you... <laughs> it might sound a little pretentious, but when you tell the story of women's wrestling, it kind of... When you tell the story of Rossi Ogawa, you end up telling the story of women's wrestling because of where he's been, what he's done, who he's involved with, and where women women's wrestling continues to go into each era. And as I was watching this Legacy of Queen show uh, from both the, the back end of, of the show, the beginning, and to the main event, and even a little bit of an extra match that I have thrown in here. Uh, in between, because the LLPW crossover show that happens in September of 93 is not covered in the classics, and I briefly mentioned this in the previous episodes, and I'll get back on track here in a second, is this is, because so much is now available, and these are bigger and better matches, uh, objectively, in ring, that the classics are going to start skipping over months on end to keep up with the pace that they've been going, and it skips over shows like the LLPW show. It skips over 
key tag matches that got uh, great reviews at the time. But Ogawa, by all accounts, was the uh, lead idea guy behind the Matsunagas in this interpromotional era. The interpromotional era is sort of uh, given the rights to Ogawa and and encouraging the Matsunagas and giving them reasons and proving over and over again why running bigger venues more often does the company good. Uh, the <laughs> issue at, at hand is the Matsunagas are still very in the past, and they will always will be, uh, right up until the end. What happens, and you can kind of see where each promotion goes, uh, as in RCM later and AJW, what ends up happening to each one's uh, downfall. But the Matsunagas love their money, and they love their old-school carding nonsense, so they're still running their 300 shows a year. You know, they're still splitting the roster in half, and it's Ogawa's job to essentially make the rosters, book the ven- book the uh, uh, the cards accordingly. And you can kind of tell where the puzzle pieces fit too well when you start putting the whole stories together. Just wanted to get that out there. But uh, let's get to these last three matches at Legacy of Queens. Some big ones here and some not-so-good ones. And then a UWA tag title match to finish us off. So we might be going a little little slow today. Reminder, if you're listening on AJW Destiny, share this podcast with your Joshi wrestling fans, your women's wrestling fans, people that want to learn about history and go along with it. Let's learn together as we go through it, basically. And if you're listening on the Red Leaf Retrocast proper, hey, you've been here for a while. (laughs) Our first match as we finish out Legacy of Queens, Bolshoi Kid and Candy Akutsu defeat Chaprito Sari and Infernal Kaoru. 13 minutes this goes. Big stage for the clown Bolshoi. And Candy Akutsu, 17 years old, getting a chance to shine here. So we're starting to see... Some young bloods coming up now. Uh, the cl- we'll call it the class of '92 to kind of keep it keep it simple. And like Asari's Asari's kind of in her rookie year. Akotsu is a freaking teenager <laughs> wrestling in front of this massive crowd. But uh, notably, the referee is Mariko Yoshida. She's still on the injured list with her messed up neck. Uh, she gets a bigger pop than any of the wrestlers. So uh, not not the best sign when <laughs> your ref is outshining, but. We'll get to more of that a little bit in a, in a sec here. But uh, quick stare die from the JWP team. And it goes into full comedy mode because that's Bolshoi Kid. That's uh, later Command Bolshoi in JWP. Uh, JWP wrestlers hide under the ring. They kind of uh, smack their butts. And they come out from the other side. Bolshoi gets her like a top knot in her clown mask tied to the rope by Kaoru. And Bolshoi cries and tricks her. Oh, very Maki Ito-esque, if you want to make a weird comparison. Very dumb. Very dumb indeed. Very undercard comedy nonsense. But it's not just that. It is, we're still dealing with rookies here. We're still dealing with these wrestlers at very young. Uh, The match goes just essentially lost. And it's right up until Yoshida kind of saved this thing 
what happens is she prevents Kalru from tearing off Bolshoi's mask, a uh, very Lucha-esque of one infertile Kalru here. And that leads Yoshida hitting up her uh, uh, run up the run up the buckle springboard flying cross on Kaoru to a just a huge pop. You know the crowd erupts for that. Bolshoi even counts to two <laughs> on this move, and then from there we're 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 finally getting the young wrestlers kind of comfortable, and they're trying all their high flying spots. Asahari, Asahari uh, does the handspring mule kicks, standing moonsault on Bolshoi. Uh, everyone does, you know, dodges and counters, trading moves. Bolshoi, Bolshoi lands her super rock bottom, <laughs> the super Uranagi on Asari. But uh, uh, Kaoru does a moonsault. Asari uh, debuts the sky twisting press here. One Tetsu Naito would be proud, getting only two when Candy makes the save. Uh, and Candy Okotsu actually finishes the match with with. <laughs> flipping rolling Germans like Yoshirai. She got seven of these suckers. Maybe a bit overkill <laughs> to pin Asari. Uh, truly a mess of a match, but the stretch of high spots uh, at the end salvaged something. So this uh, this ended up being pretty okay, but not great. Kaori Ito and Toshi Yamada defeat Megumi Kudo and Yuki Nabeno. 14 minutes, 23 seconds. The FMW team takes the L, as they usually do. What do you know? I would say a takeaway here is... Uh, Dream Slam 1, where Yamada and Kudo were in the tag main event against each other. Uh, why they are in this filler-esque match teaming with these... Like scrubs, I don't know, but uh, Yamada kicks the hell out of these two FMW wrestlers for quite a while. Some early heat on Kudo. I would probably, well, she's the better seller. That's what you usually do. Uh, the trade moves later in the match, notably Kudo hitting four straight Tiger Drivers until getting stopped on the fifth. Bit of a hot tag to Yamada later. She hits uh, the Insiguri spam button on the controller. Finish sees Ito. And you guessed it, she hit a double stomp <laughs> from the top to the floor, at least, so that's a little better. And then she does another one on Nabeno for the win. <laughs> Look, not good. I'm not going to pretend this is good. Nabeno stinks, and Ito literally only has two moves. It doesn't get any better. Uh, 14 minutes doesn't help either. Um, I read a couple articles, just other people kind of watching it and talking about this show, and... Uh, one of these reviews I read said that Nabeno wins the FMW women's title like a year after this. And I'm like, I'm totally floored because she's so bad here. How much better could she be? <laughs> but then it's like, okay, it's the FMW wrestlers. The bar is low. And our main event, 3WA world title on the line. Aja Kong taking on Dynamite Kansai. The match goes 22 minutes, 54 seconds. The Wrestling Observer, Mr. Big Dave, gave it 4.25 stars. I do not agree with this at all. Very important to note, while this is, while this is for the 3WA title, Kansai is notably the current JWP champion. So it's big stakes and pride on the line here. 
the JWB title is not on the line. So they stare each other down to start off. First half of this match is straight up just holds on the mat with a pile driver transition uh, with each getting into it. I know we're back to the 1980s here with pile drivers and tombstones being transition moves. That's okay. Least of our problems. This thing is slow. Look, slow builds are fine, but this was incredibly boring and went nowhere. It's just leg locks and chin locks galore. It meant just nothing and I was bored to tears. Finally, they get on their feet and they're trading lariats and a sequence to get into. Here we go. This is the sequence. Body avalanche by Kong, but Kansai ducks the Urican and slams Kong for a two count. Kansai kicks Kong out of the ring and then dives onto her, suicide style. Crazy to see the big dynamite Kansai do those things. She's not doing those on the Joshi 2010s, let me tell you. They get back in the ring and they do this weird sequence of events. Seeing uh, both these guys, mostly Kong, going up to the top rope and trying some move. You assume she's trying her elbow drop, right? Then they try some near falls in between, but it really leads to a big near fall of Kansai hitting Splash Mountain on the huge Aja Kong for the near fall. So that's kind of what they were going for, was getting to that Splash Mountain. This was good, but weird how they got to these these, uh, spots. Kong fights back brilliantly. She hits a backdrop driver, multiples, multiple Urkins in a row. And this is something I'm noticing about Aja Kong matches. She has her kind of three, four moves that she can pull out. But then when it comes to this ending stretch, it's spinning back fist, spinning back fist, spinning back fist. And this is her kind of kill shot move, but it's not really built up to be a kill shot. She has to hit a bunch in a row when it's big match on the line. It's just kind of her style. And in a way, I'm weirdly getting used to it. But after going through the 80s where people kind of hit a German suplex and it's over, it's uh, <laughs> and you got people like Minami Toyota doing moonsaults. It's uh, I I can't say I'm getting like a culture shock in a way with with the with the style, but it certainly isn't a Bull Nakano match. I'll put it that way. I really got into the Bull, Nak- Bull Nakano style, and I'm getting into various others. But there's something about Aja Kong and these finishing stretches where her just hitting back fist, it's kind of losing me, and that's just my personal uh, uh, energy on the match there, but. Um, the third hits Kong, third Orkin. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this wrong. Kong goes for a third Orkin, and she hits it, and then she rips the glove off, and finally, finally, Kong gets to the top, Kansai follows her, and she's able to hit the flipping squish squash off the top. Uh, you know, it's that messed up backdrop that's like a botched uh, <laughs> Canadian Destroyer, but it's not. Look, great finish to a mostly dull to strange match. I really liked it. This, I'm definitely not a fan of Kong's little flipping backdrop squash deal because it's very, it feels convoluted how she has to get up there and she has to wait for someone to follow her up there or they have to do this wacky turnaround thing. And I guess Kansai goes up to the top and does double foot stomps every now and again, but it didn't really like get to that point in the match. It was very strange. It's uh, so here we here we go another Kansai match in AJW I thought was pretty dull and didn't work for me. It's uh, maybe it's a me thing because I'm I'm reading various reviews of the of this match in particular and 
and even the Hota match from the previous big show with Kansai, uh, people like them. And I'm I'm like, yeah, okay, they're fine. You know, one or two out of three. I'm not like four big Dave stars or anything, but some are. Most are. But a uh, big match of the time, in my, my view, uh, uh, can't change uh, the way people felt back then and the way people watch them now. Uh, just a very strange thing I'm noticing with my fandom compared to other people's watching uh, the big Zenjo Dynamite Kansai matches. Maybe Kansai will work better for me when she's up against like a Mayumi Ozaki. Hmm. We fast forward to Super Whirlwind Tour Day 6 on September 5th, 93. They're at Cork and Hall, totally sold out. They claim 2300 shoulder to shoulder. We'll just go with it. No sense in arguing over questionable attendances. But uh, the UWA World Tag Titles are on the line. They were vacated. And the AJW teams going for them are Takaka Winaway teaming with Yumiko Hota. So we're going for a different version of the Fire Jets, as I will call it. Against the Marine Wolves returning to action. Akira Hokuto and her blown out back and knee with Suzuka Minami. This went just under 25 minutes, and all we need to understand is after Ozaki and Kansai won those tag titles, the UWA titles, if you remember, were already a part of uh, Yamada and Toyota. I believe that was the team that had them. So they, the UWA was vacated in order to separate it between the tag titles of AJW. At least that's the prevailing kayfabe reason behind it. Uh, these things have been vacated for a while to this point. Other note is Hokuto had a seven-second squash early on the card, beating the shovel j- the shovel jobber Numachi. Uh, pretty phenomenal. You can find it on YouTube. It's like <laughs> it's actually it's actually a few minutes, which, which uh, that's mostly because afterwards, after the bell, and Hokuto kind of puts the jobber down on the mic as she should look greatest of all time. <laughs> Kira Hokuto, really, really there for me. Rumi Kazuma in the nice little high jeans with the jean jacket cut off sleeves looking real fine. Love me some Rumi Kazuma. LOPW reviews. Go check them out. Patreon.com slash RedLeafRetroCast. She challenges Hokuto for a rematch since he lost that title match uh, for the All-Pacific title. And I don't think the hair versus hair stipulation was made here. But they're definitely building to these two instead of Kandori currently, despite what reports at the time were saying. I mean, they're definitely wanting to do the Kandori rematch. Why would they not? But in between, when politics and whatnot and schedules are getting in the way, the former boxer, Rumi Kazuma, the LO, the founder of LOPW, is stepping up to the plate to Hokuto, and they're going to do a second match. And listen to the LOPW review of their hair match on the Patreon. It's there. Uh, I really got to put one of those uh, big crossover shows from the summer of 93 uh, up on, up for free on YouTube. I, I got to do that. Maybe I'll throw it on AJW Destiny as well. But uh, no 1980 swimsuits for all time sakes for the Marine Wolves reunion here. Uh, dives the outside, starts them into the ring, and they beat up Suzuka Minami for a while. This poor woman. Hokuto enters and exchanges big bitch energy with Takako, da bitch idol. Uh, Akira talks shit while Takako's in a a rest hold and chest kicks her. This gets 
the biggest and greatest ya bitch face reaction from Takako. Look, Takako has been growing and she's gotten pretty excellent the last couple of years. She's got this just she's developed this attitude of hers since the interpromotional stuff started and she's just been great. She's getting more and more frequent spotlights, she's getting main events like this and every now and again she gets that big singles match and uh, we saw that on uh, Legacy of Queens. <laughs> so Hota gets in and immediately goes into holds working the fucked up knee of Hokuto. So no mercy here kicking her leg and doing drops on it. Uh, Hota don't give a shit <laughs> about your busted knee. That's a target. Uh, probably shoot wise. <laughs> Hokuto is great at selling but you gotta believe she's just in tremendous pain here. And actually I'd be shocked if she can even feel her knee at this point. Suzuka gets a hot tag 1980s style with drop kicks and transition tombstones. <laughs> After Suzuka gets her must-have figure four spot, it delves into straight lucha match. That this really brought brought back the uh, kind of jumping bomb angel type matches with the pace of the 80s, rather than this. I'll put it in quotes. New tag style we've seen in the last couple of years. Look, when three fourths of the workers in this match are from the late 80s class, it makes sense that you're going to get. A little bit of an older style here. Um, we get a super, super hot, hot, hot finish. And here goes. Hokuto flip Tope Liger style to the floor. Hota tries to dies, but Akira just smokes her. <laughs> it's, it's pretty sick. Assisted powerbomb gets a two count. Manami goes to the top, but Takako does a super choke slam on her for two. Maybe she watched the Yashikurinai match and thought that was cool. Flying knee attack. No, flying knee to the back of the head gets a two. So that's the Tateno. Uh, finisher there. No, flying knee attack. That is... Who does that? Who did that? The flying knee to the back of the head. Oh, I'm blanking. I know Tateno does it, but someone else. Um, well, forgive me. I can't remember. No, Takako Inouye does that. What am I talking about? She's the she's the Tateno <laughs> wannabe in the ring. Anyways, uh, Akira uh, does the dangerous queen bomb to Takako for a two count. Uh, rocket launcher cone hero uh, in the ring for the uh, uh, she gets um, let's see for the same and uh, there was a flying axe kick Hokuto climbs but get caught she gets caught by Hoda and takes a just horrifying terrifying spider straight jacket uh, uh, spider suplex from the top you heard that right Hota does a straight jacket spider German suplex from the top to Hokuto, where Hokuto just folds on her neck. It goes goes over. Oh my god! I put a I, I had to record it and put a gif of it on Twitter. It is terrifying. You you gotta you <laughs> you gotta see it to believe it. And uh, Manami saves it for a two count. <laughs> uh, Takako. Choke slams her on the floor while Hota tries the pyramid driver. Uh, Akira falls on her for two instead. So good little reverse there. I do, I do like that. Uh, she goes for the northern lights bomb, but Hota just, uh, uh, well, she snaps out of it, hits the pyramid driver. Big three counts, 24 minutes, 55 seconds. Hota and Takako, in a way, superior in a, in a way that should have been pushed. We'll get to that over time. UWA Tag Champions, been crowned. 
Hote gets a win back after losing the Grand Prix Finals to Hokuto. And now we will see Hokuto go away for a little bit as uh, she will have knee surgery and she's barely a month out. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's going to miss the LLPW show, I believe. And uh, we will see her next as she challenges Aja Kong for the not red title. <laughs> there you go. That's uh, that's Legacy of Queens completed. An excellent, excellent show. Uh, a must-watch. The whole show is a must-watch for women's wrestling fans and people that want to learn history and see what's see what's going on. And I do recommend this UWA title match quite a lot. Um, I'm torn between a 2 out of 3 and a 3 out of 3. Uh, mostly because of the Hota going after Hokuto's knee for so long. Uh, pretty overdone. But regardless, this was AJW Destiny. Hope you enjoyed.